0: Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 742. Opportunity is truly disguised as hard work. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Mark Smith. Hey Mark, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride?
1: I'm sitting in a brand new Dodge Charger Smith ute and ready to go. All
0: right, very cool. Mark Smith is the founder of Smith Performance, his third automotive company since starting Factory 5 Racing back in 1992. Factory 5 Racing became the largest component car company in the world, Before selling the company to his brother David, his signature aluminum under glass Cobra and Daytona Coupe race car design sold over 10,000 units. In 2007, he teamed up with Jay Rogers to create Local Motors. That has a worldwide network of vehicle microfactories where they produce vehicles as outrageous as the Transformers featured Rally Fighter and the world's first 3D printed car. Mark continues to build some wild machines ranging from a 1,500 horsepower 50-foot biodiesel speedboat to drag bikes, and today at Smith Performance, they build a Jetta Golf 4, a mini pickup conversion based on the VW Jetta. Very cool. Mark, I've told our listeners just a little, little tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your career, your businesses, and of course your passion for automobiles? Thank you, Mark. Great to great to be here, and thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Yeah,
1: my my path has been, you know, it's standard in on one side and very uh, atypical on the other. I started off as a chemist for Avery Dennison, you know, the the label and highlighter company. Uh-huh. Really, back in my uh, mid twenties, you know, I did the car guy stuff on the side, like most of people that are into cars. It's more of a hobby but as a lifelong car guy, you have to pay the bills, go to school. So I was a chemist at Avery, uh, got my MBA uh, on them, which is a great way to do it. Yep. And, uh, you know, started uh, Factory Five right after my, uh, finished my MBA. So it actually was my entrepreneurship project as a kid at Bentley College. That was my project. And I, and I got a C, which is basically failing. When you're in grad school, when you're in grad school, it's really not a good grade. So, Still uh, a point of uh, comedy with some of my professors that I still uh, know from the old days. But so, yeah, Factory Five started right right after business school, built the first Cobra uh, based on the five liter Mustang, which at the time, it doesn't sound crazy now, but fuel injected uh, vintage Shelby Cobras were unheard of, you know, back then And right. you know, when you go to a car show everybody basically uh, says who the heck would ever fuel inject a Cobra, right? So <laughs> a, a great ride, though. Started that first Cobra, invited my brother Dave out to uh, really, uh, you know, help launch Factory 5 uh, a year later after that first prototype was done. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, – a. Heck of a ride. I mean, you know, over the next twenty years, even till, even now, uh, Factory Five is the biggest component hit car company in the world, oh, and yeah. uh, they cool. they just do they continue to do an amazing job, and I'm proud of every one of those guys. But yeah, that was my uh, launch as an entrepreneur, and then along the way, like you mentioned, uh, Local Motors came along. Jay Rogers, a good friend and a partner, we helped him get going right next door to Factory Five. Oh, cool. He's gone on to raise tens and tens of millions of dollars to launch this company, which is really a big swing for the fence. Uh, time will tell, obviously. But uh Locomotors aims to be a very large company. You know, they're probably worth hundred and fifty million dollars now. So obviously wow. a much bigger well, oh you know, how you want say it? A much bigger uh league, you know, than even Factory Five is in. He's going for the big for the big time. So wow. yeah, that's that's and that's where I ended up uh after after graduating and selling factory five to my brother. Uh, I then kind of wound down my interest in locomotives, uh, and, and really am focusing on Smith performance now that all my, uh, non-compete with factory five from that sale is, uh, is done with. So Smith performance is doing the, let's see, we take any four door car, anybody who wants to save the four doors is probably not going to be our friend. Uh, <laughs> we're going to be cutting.
0: Yeah.
1: We're going to be cutting four doors and turning them into, you know, the, uh, uh Australians use the term ute. Yes. Uh, but we're turning four doors into
0: pickup trucks. It's so cool. Uh, You know, your whole story is is really awesome in my mind, and I love the NBA story because uh, it reminds me, and if I've got this right, I think the uh, gentleman that started FedEx did the same thing, and his professor said, well, this is absurd. Nobody's going to be able to ship packages overnight. This is a crazy idea. Makes a great story, doesn't it? Yeah. So <laughs> I love your I love story. It. Yeah. This is really cool. Well, we're going to learn a lot more about you as we continue on your automotive journey. But first, I always like to start by asking for a success quote or a mantra. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars. Yeah. So Mark, take the wheel.
1: You know, uh, you hear it a lot, whether it's Mike Rowe, you know, with Dirty Jobs and mm-hmm. talking about basic local education things, people using their hands, right?
0: I love Mike Rowe. Yeah.
1: Isn't he great? I yeah. just, his posts are great. He's great. He's got great attitude. But the quote that I like is really an old one. It's just that opportunity is truly disguised as hard work. Mm. Sometimes you've heard it say, you know, it's often disguised as hard work. Nothing truer. You get educated, but don't forget to keep in touch with the real physical work. Mm-hmm. Building the dream that you want to do. So a lot of people and I I have five kids, so oh my I tell them over and over. <laughs> oh, it's a, and it and it's a party. It it's fantastic. <laughs> hard work and you'll hear a lot about millennials, you'll hear a lot about generational changes. The people that put in the true effort yeah. and the really gritty hard work, they'll always do well. The people that put in that hard work and get an education really can chase their dreams just a little faster than everybody else. Right. So get educated, use your hands. This day and age, I, if, if I do it over again, I would use my hands even more because nobody these days is doing it. Everybody wants wants a clean job.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you mentioned Mike Rowe. I mean, I love. I follow him. He's he's just an awesome guy, and his his whole message is is so true. I have so many friends who have businesses that need people in the trades, and they just can't find young workers uh, for a variety of reasons. I learned that lesson from my dad. He grew up on a farm in Texas. Farmers work hard, and he always used to tell me, "Look." And luckily, I was able to go to college, and I had that advantage. We all have the advantage of being born in this country, of course, which is a massive advantage from everybody around the world. But he always used to tell me, you know what, if you're not as smart as the next guy, you can always outwork him if you're willing to work hard. And that's something that I've always followed. So I'm really happy to hear that as your mantra. Well, let's go back in time. I'm guessing you're a car guy. So let's go back and talk about a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment as you think back when you realize you were indeed a car guy?
1: I'll bet most of us who call themselves car guys in one way or another. Somewhere in high school, you wanted a cool car or you were broke or both.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> and
1: in my my neighbor, his name was Les Ryman down the street. We lived in Chicago. And when, when I say broke, I mean, you know, I was the oldest of five kids myself. And, you know, my dad worked hard. He came home at eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. I mean, the classic hardworking guy with a big family. Mm-hmm. And Les Ryman gave me a uh, 1968, 67. It was a Volkswagen bug, right? Cool. Free car, right? Yeah. Hey, yeah. Can't, can't argue with that. I'm 15 years old. This car comes home and it was a wreck. You know, the it had five foot holes in the floor, you know, the stills, <laughs> all the classic VW problems, oh, yeah. right? And you give it to a 15 year old kid and, you know, you figure it's going to be three years before this guy even gets it going, right? We'll never give a 15 year old person who's about to get their license any kind of car working or not, unless <laughs> yeah. you want to turn them into a car guy, because, yeah. you know, three months later, cars running, I'm driving illegally around the block trying to get me. From then on, you know, you either have this passion for machines, not just cars, mm-hmm. it can be boats, it can be planes and motorcycles, whatever. I've seen it in my own children, five kids, a bunch of kids that liked cars. My number four son, Will. You just see it click, whether it's top gear on uh, the old top gear, not the new one, but the you know you you can see him dive in with tools, dive in with projects, and for whatever reason, that mechanical ability or uh, or passion. Flowers with some people, and it happened with me when I was in high school. I never saw, You know, you graduate from bugs to you just keep going on more and more complex yeah. projects. But yeah, that was it. <laughs> one one air cooled Volkswagen bug away, and it wouldn't have been that. It wouldn't have been the same.
0: No, I love bugs. My sister had a '73 in high school that I would work on for her, and I had a '67 Ghia in high school. So I love the bugs and yanked that motor out many times using a skateboard. That's about all I had Perfect. to get it up. That's from all my... you needed. That's all you needed. A couple of wrenches. So very nice. Well, Mark, what I want to do is take. take. Take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down. Have you single out one huge challenge or big failure that you faced along the way? Talk about it. Take us there. Kind of walk us through. But, of course, the most important part of this question has to do with what did it teach you so that you can move forward?
1: Yeah. No, I I don't think you'll find an entrepreneur successful or unsuccessful that doesn't have, you know, uh, stories like this. Uh, The big one in my life. You know, I described how my brother came out here to, uh, you know, help me launch uh, Factory 5 back in 1995. For me, it was always, you know, uh, as a lifelong car guy, it's always something that you, I love to do. So it wasn't much of a challenge. Uh, as things came through the pipe and, and, and you had you know, uh, both successes and failures at Factory 5, the biggest challenge we had was getting along. We're brothers. And it really it's classic. Right. But there is a point after about, uh, you know, by by 2000, we've been doing this, you know, for five years. We had gone from zero to 12 million. You know, as I was running the company, it was a fan, you know, zero to 60 is nothing. You know, that's the you know, that's the acceleration spec. Right. Try zero to 10 million, you know, in business. Right. And try, and making money.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a tough one.
1: Amazing. Right. But it has its toll. Mm-hmm. And the toll for me was the relationship with my brother. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's nothing harder been dealing with that so at that time in 2000 i had my dad who was a, a operations genius uh he, you know worked under reagan worked at Abbott laboratories in chicago came out here with the biotech uh, and was pretty much retired mm-hmm. he was helping me my brother tom was helping me dave was obviously there from the beginning and the fighting became a little too much it was look we had 12 million dollar company yeah. i mean you can't really mess around you have 50 people counting on you right yeah so The hardest thing we ever did as a family, we went off site. uh, My dad, my brother, Tom, Dave, everything. And we came together and we said, you know, uh, in this case, at that time, Dave decided that he would go home, you know, mean go on to something else so Mm -hmm. that the company could grow and we wouldn't be fighting. And the hardest thing leading up to your question, when six months later, he couldn't take it. He had to come back. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And the hardest thing I had to do was stick to my guns and say, if you come back, I have to go. Wow. I can't sacrifice personal happiness and gratification and fight with you another twenty five years at work, right? Yeah. So I—that's what I did. Lawyers, everybody was there. I still kept my half, you know, of the company, mm-hmm. but I stepped down as the chief executive. Dave took over two thousand one or so, and I closed out by, uh, you know, we had that big Shelby and Ford lawsuit. Oh
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. So
1: I was able to dive into that, and uh, and you know, we'll talk about that later. But uh, I was able to fully immerse myself into that, and. And protect the company from that threat. But letting go as the founder car guy, you know, my brother Dave is one of the hardest working guys in the world. You just will not outwork this guy. He wasn't a car guy back then. Uh, you know, he had helped me launch Factory Five, but not really a guy who knew anything about cars. But an inc- a tireless worker. And handing over to him is not hard because he's a hard worker. He loves the company. He loves the people. But letting go uh, yeah. of something I created at the very very first time, yeah. uh, you know, of, of making the car, that yeah, it just for entrepreneurs that's hard. The learning was. That after letting go, even though it took 10 years to, uh, well, not 10, but what uh, for 2014, yeah, I mean, over 10 years it took us yeah. to finally get Dave to buy Factory 5 mm-hmm. from me. Yeah. Letting go was one of the most empowering things I've ever done. When I mentally said, this is a company, I love the people, I love Dave. When I was able to move on to other things, I said, you know what, I have my skills, I have my education, I have all those things that created Factory 5 it's time to move on. And that is really, really hard for entrepreneurs to do. If you can do it, you have a better life ahead.
0: Yeah, wow. Awesome story. And thanks for taking us to a very personal point in time in your life. So happy you're able to make that decision and keep the family together in essence uh, by walking away, which is, uh, I understand, very, very, very hard stuff to do. Wow. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a real aha moment. I think you've had a few of these because you've had many pivots in your career. Take us to that aha moment that uh, led you to your next success.
1: Boy, that is a, we've got them, don't we? We can't live, I don't know how old you are. I'm 54. So I guess we're getting to that age where we can be the old sage.
0: We're uh, we're both baby boomers. We're the old stage now, huh? That's
1: uh, amazing how that happens. Oh my gosh. Uh, No, the the aha moment is always, I think, when you're younger. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, you know, after you start your first company, the next one is really fun but there's nothing like the first company yeah. when you really, you know, all the cliches are true. You know, you put your credit cards to the max. You, you know, your wife is with you all the way or you can't make it right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to happen. My aha moment. I'll go back. You know, I, I'm in, I'm I'm a chemist at Avery Dennison. Um, I just finished my MBA. So I've got this supposedly hotshot career ahead of me, right? They're going to transfer me to to California, love California, you know, no problem. I can sure. do that. And next door to Avery Dennison is my shop that I was renting for my race cars, right? Yeah. And so after work, I'm done with my MBA, so now I've got time. Because, you know, you're used, to, you're used to working, you know, till midnight on your classes and working full-time, right? So right. this is easy. I can yeah. do cars. So I build this first Cobra, the real FFR number 0001, right? Is is done. I design my first car. I do the shaping on the fiberglass, all that stuff that car guys, you know, the builders do. But I mean, again, I'm 20, 30 years old, right? Yep. Man. A guy shows up. His name is Bob Lashudo. So I'm running out of money, obviously, because right? I'm building <laughs> yeah. cars. Nobody makes money building cars. <laughs> so I got the first one, ffr one it wasn't called Factory 5 at the time, by the way. It was a pre—it became Factory 5, I should.
0: Think. Real quickly, where did Factory—where did the name come from, real quick? Factory 5. Well, that's a great—we do have stories, don't we? So, <laughs> Factory
1: 5, my brother and I, he had come out. We're in a—we are in a. We turned the bathroom in our shop into a CAD room, you know, for the computer. Right? <laughs> so, we finished—we're we're documenting that first—those uh, first two cars that I had made, you know, before he came out, and we're documenting all the bill of materials, the drawings, all the stuff, and I'm—I might be a great R&D guy, but on the documentation side I've always been a little soft, right? So Dave's getting this done with me. We're knocking it through. And the company's, we got to launch it. Car, car's ready, right? So yeah. we need a name. So factory came from the factory Ford engineering that we use with the motor transmission drivetrain.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we basically get a word association. We drew, drew all, the you know, one of the names we drew out was Marky Davidson. You know, didn't make the cut, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, So we put all these words on a piece of paper. Factory came from factory five-liter Mustang, basically, the parts. Five was because it was based on a five-liter Mustang. So ah, uh, five okay,
0: uh, okay.
1: And racing is the best of all. Uh, the early bodies that I made myself, you know, the early fiberglass molds yeah. uh, for the Cobra, it was my first body. And uh, okay. the fit and finish was horrendous. I mean, it, they, it looked good, but the doors, you know, didn't fit. There were little things wrong with it. And I, and I turned to Dave, and I said, Dave. We're going to call it a race car company because fit and finish on race cars doesn't matter. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so we launched this thing as a racing place where we yeah. knew we'd be forgiven. And sure enough, we we eventually got very good at molding, obviously. But in the early days, Fred Rev Racing, we maybe made a couple of drag race runs and a couple of road courses, crosses, and stuff. But it was far from being a true open track car at the beginning. It took a little development to okay. make sure
0: that happened. Okay. Well, back to your other story. Sorry to interrupt, but I've always... Oh, that's all right. Hey, car guys will talk all day. Well, I always wonder where that name came from. That's it. That's, uh, yeah, true story. So, uh no, Bob Lasciuto uh, was
1: customer zero 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 one, and the, he he I put the you know, I ran out of money. Car guys out of money always, pretty a yeah. lot of money. I put the car uh, for sale in like an auto trader kind of a thing because I'd been driving it around and uh, really loved the car, but ran out of money. And I could, and I had started another one because I knew I'd have to make another one to make money. Bob Lashudo shows up. He loves the car. A couple of little things we had to fix up, and uh, he buys it. You know, in like 20 grand, whatever it was at the time. Like, mm-hmm. I can't remember the price of it. But uh, so he walks in and here's a guy giving me his hard earned treasure. Yeah. You know, 20,000 bucks in cash, a check, whatever it was. And I took five, six grand out of it. And I started building the next one. And at that moment, I said, well, I'm not in business. You know, I'm just an R&D guy selling his prototype. Mm-hmm. And I'm working on number two. And I, and, you know, you just find a moment that, you know, I'm not selling a, a you know, a hammer. I mean, I just sold a car that I designed, engineered, and made myself, and somebody paid me for it. And I said that it seems so simple, but when it happens to you, it's a big deal. That first 20 grand, like it meant that you're, you know, they're voting with their pocketbook.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I had uh, Richard Schickman from the RSR project. He builds tribute RSR Porsches for people. Okay. Exact same story. Built one for himself. Somebody came along, offered him real money for it. He went, whoa. Maybe I could do this. He had another career in real estate and a business is born. So awesome, awesome story. I love it. Well, let's talk about a proudest career moment. I would assume you've had many. You guys have made so many people happy in all your different businesses. But is there one that really stands out for you?
1: You know, I, I, I got to say, I, I there there's, you know, the obvious one is a little, uh, you know, it's the people. Right? So overall, and and I'll segue into the into my product moment. But I mean, out of you know ten thousand, twelve thousand customers, whatever it is, each person has a story. You're, they're doing it with their kids. They're doing you know any of these cars that I've designed over the years are meant to be brought home as kids built with usually somebody else every now and then you know I just have alone too so you know you can do it alone but usually it's about the connections you make with the people and being able to facilitate that and get the people together that's my I love that yeah and having said that even though my proudest moment was you know you you start a company that does that that's great well we were under that threat from Carol Shelby and Ford mm, in 2000 yeah.
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we built this you know even though I was stepping down I went from zero and no money to having a $12 million company that was making a million bucks a year, you know, like we were, we were doing great. Ford and Shelby come along and threatened derail $10 million lawsuit. You know, they're the big guys, right? Yeah. And even though, thank God, they didn't know how much money we were making because we were two kids with, you know, Dave was young. I was young. We had all a sack full of little kids running around in diapers. Yeah. We were making all this money and we couldn't even, we didn't have time to spend it. I mean, we were kids. <laughs> yeah. And so, having a big family, each of us said he has four kids, I have five. And so, we're running around like chickens with our heads cut, cut off. And Shelby shoes us, and he doesn't realize we got a million dollars a year to spend on this case. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I turned to my dad at the time, and I and he was helping us grow because we were going from like five to 10 a week. Right. And I turned to my dad and I said, Dad, I said, Shelby's suing me, and Ford Motor Company's suing me, and we're making five or six kits a week, 10 a week, whatever it is. I said, You got to take the existing building, and we got to ship 15.
0: Hmm.
1: Because we had to pay for the suit, yeah. we, you know, we, got to, we we want to see money. Wait till Ford, sues you. In. Oh, and I can't even imagine. Bills, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Holy cow! Right. So so we do. We get ready. My dad comes through. Like I already alluded to it, the guy is just he he made the company possible. I mean, I needed the cash every month to pay this. I mean, this legal bill was. We had over three, two million, three million legal bills. Okay, A huge. Oh, bill. Ouch. Yeah. And I and my memory's even getting foggy because it was so much money.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah. You don't want to remember that stuff. We're in federal
1: court and, you know, I was leaving factory five. So I'm making this my last thing I'm doing, basically, you know, as I'm going. And so you have all these people that are building the cars. You're proud of that. But winning and by winning, it's not just a win in court. Yeah, right. We, right. you know, the, we both went our own ways basically at the end. Nobody mm-hmm. won yeah. in quotes, you know, but we won by keeping our company. Well, Shelby went out of business. I mean, it bankrupted Shelby. Shelby Reckon went down after that. And uh, Shelby always had money because he had other stuff going on. Yeah. The attorneys made millions, of course. But yeah, there, there we were at the end. We had, uh, we had survived this, this huge threat. And you know, your people are safe, and uh, your, your employees. You know, you know the drill. I, yeah. These are these people. They're employees, and they might not be your blood relatives, but you really take care of. I mean, you got to take care of your people, of course. And they were going to lose everything just like I would have. Yeah, yeah. And wow. coming in the door. As a victor in federal court like that, to your guys at work, yeah, that is a feeling I'll never forget. Those <laughs> yeah. guys knew that I won. They knew the company was safe. They knew their families were safe. And it sounds, in, in retrospect, it look back. It, it,
0: just a lawsuit, right? It was so much more than that. It was, it was everything for. Sounds us. Sounds like a great TV show or a movie or something. So,
1: oh uh, well, and you know, as much as it's stressful with the money and everything, you learn things. Yeah in federal court and going through that process, the only people that have spent $3 million learn. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's horrible. lessons.
0: Yeah, but you have it the rest of your life. Nobody can scare me. There's an MBA program for you right there. Holy cow. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> huh? but, I mean, if you
1: can survive Ford, yeah. nobody scares you ever
0: again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Great story. Thanks for taking us there. Let's have a little bit of fun and talk oh, yeah. about your first really special car. What was it? I, uh, let's see, I can't say it was the VW because even though it's a lot of fun, the Baja Bug, uh,
1: when I graduated from college, had an MGA, fun car, you know, changed Mm -hmm. the engine, all that kind of stuff. My dad, when I was about 10 years old, my dad brought me into a showroom. We lived in Puerto Rico and grew up a very unusual childhood, a great time, and he was looking at MGs and there was an E-Type in the bloody showroom. Oh, nice. And I'm 10 years old, Mark, and I saw that car and I'm like touching it. <laughs> 'Cause I did yeah. you know it's neat, it's a it's a slipping E type.
0: I mean yeah. everybody loves
1: an E type, right? Yeah, well know. in nineteen seventy two or whatever this was, it was a it wasn't even a brand new one, you know, it was a used right? one. Oh yeah. When I got out of school, I got my, you know, I came home, lived with my parents because I'm a car guy. All my junk's laying around, so you got to live with your parents, right? <laughs> so I got came back out came back out to Boston, went to Michigan, came out to Boston, had my MGA, and a guy had an, a 67 E-type coupe. He can't afford the convertible because they were so expensive, right? Right. So this is 1984, and I grab a Jag E-type coupe that was in a barn fire. Mm. So I can't say it's a barn find. It <laughs> yeah. ran mostly, but the whole thing was all burned and charred, you know, mostly mm. bodywork. And, uh, you, you just only you, a 22 year old guy driving an E-type coupe after I painted it, you know, I, you don't, you don't get better than that in this world. Yeah. Right? There's no, yeah. no 22 year old deserves to have an E-type, I mean, unless you <laughs> fix it from a bonfire, I guess. So yeah, yeah no, that's it. There's that's no, it. there's no other that, to this day. Uh, I drove that car to Colorado probably a year later after fixing it up, skis on top, 23 years old. Wow. Yeah. The, the word epic is made for that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. yeah it broke the whole way and you learn all your lessons again. You it's know. an old Jaguar.
0: Yeah. Very nice. It's a Jag. Sounds awesome. How about one that you let go? Is there a car you've let go that you really wish you had back?
1: Dude, I'm sticking with the Jag. Theme. The Jag, yeah, I sold that car for six so. grand. Oh, decent uh, I sold that car yeah. for six thousand bucks in yeah. 1987 well, or something. That's about ago. what
0: they were worth back then. That's a little different yeah, today. Yeah, it was a coupe, right? Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I've, I've,
1: since I have a, I have a '66 uh, convertible in my garage now as a very pale replacement. You know, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, nice. we, my, my son William uh, and I, uh, when we rebooted the garage a few years ago, I said, you know, the e type has got to make a comeback here. So not mm-hmm. the same car, obviously. But, you know, you get all the smells and sounds again and it's yeah. all it's all good.
0: Very nice stuff. Well let's talk about today. Tell me what you're working on right now that has you really excited and fired up.
1: Well, I let off your segment with uh, you know, sitting in the charger. Uh, you know, we we launched this thing, uh, this Smith Performance uh, idea on the Jettas. You know, my, my non compete right. said that I could do one car, which was the Jetta. Yeah. Right. And so I did as much with a Jetta as you can possibly do. <laughs> <laughs> For five years I just worked the heck out of a Jetta. So uh, the charger is the one we just launched, and even though it's not a VW diesel Jetta crowd, um, the V8 guys are using them as shop trucks. You know, the guy, all my friends that build Cobras and from the old days. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they, you know, we hit a real niche here. Uh, so I'm working on the charger and an Audi A4 Ute at the same time here, and uh, I'm excited to get not so much the A4 but the S4 version of the Audi. These are cars that are pretty much thrown away now, mm-hmm. and so. I get excited about cars that cost two grand, that (laughs) have 350 horsepower V8s in them. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. And whether it's a cop car at auction for a thousand bucks, right, with a 350 horse Hemi, yeah. Or it's an Audi S4 that the world has decided is not worth anything because the timing chains go bad, and so it costs you three grand to fix it. You know, so they throw them away, right? No, nobody wants. You know, give people a reason to fix something, which is what we do, making them into trucks, right? Mm -hmm. You might not fix an Audi sedan. Or a charger, you know, cop car. Who's gonna Who's gonna put a grand of mechanical repairs into a cop car that's worth nothing, right? Turn it into a into a Ute, into a pickup truck, and all of a sudden it's worth fixing. And so that that's just I, I'm just jonesed about that stuff. Huh? You take these cars that literally are going to the scrap deep and we're turning them into something that kids are leaning out of windows, taking pictures of on the highway. And it's just, I, you know, the Jetta's are fun. I still drive a diesel Jetta to this day. I, I love the Jetta. It's a 50 mile per gallon mini pickup. It started us. It got us where where we are right now. Yeah. But these new ones coming out these next few months these are these are fun. These are just just raw performance machines. Can't you wait to see Bonneville salt Flax, right? Yeah. A Hemi Charger Ute against an Audi, you know, S4, you know, with the aero treatment and all that stuff. I can't wait. wait.
0: (laughs) Well, the innovation continues with you, Mark. Man, you're just one guy that goes from one wild thing to the next. Very, very, very awesome. I love it. Well, here's a very, here's a very introspective question for you. I always like this question, especially somebody like you have a creative answer, I'm sure. If you were a car, what kind of car would Mark be and why?
1: yeah you know, it's a good one, is it you gotta you gotta weigh your your uh you know most of these guys start you know, companies are pretty full of themselves, including me right I just don't you know I try not to admit it too much I, you know you have to be in the public eye a little bit if you're gonna be running a company, yep, and so I'll describe how I think of myself. And even though it might not be all the way uh, connected to reality, it's what I always aspire to be. You know, those old, you remember the, the chip, uh, the California Highway Patrol 5-liter Mustang sedan? Oh, yeah. How, when we were kids, that was the car. Right? Yeah. Uh huh. So a 5-liter Mustang sedan, right? You don't even know it's a five o basically. There's no markings, nothing. And remember, they used to sell a twin turbo setup for that car? It was like two grand or so. I can't remember who did it. It was an Australian company, but it was, we made one, one of my Cobra race cars at Factory 5 in like 95. We did this twin turbo kit. Yes, Bringerslev is still an engineer over there. You know, one, one of my protege engineers who's way smarter than I am. <laughs> uh, he put together a twin turbo version of the Cobra. So I'll go with five liter Mustang, like an 89, you know, the earlier. Yeah. Okay. An 89 five Mustang chip car with the twin turbo, 600 horse motor, right? There you go. So the sleeper. So I want to look like a regular, a little bit of badass, just a little, right? But stock wheels and tires with that twin turbo 700 horse, because in my mind, no matter how the world has blessed me with success in the car business, I still think of myself as the guy out back. And yes, I have stock customers. Yes, I'll do an interview like this, whatever. But in my mind's eye, I still think of myself as the sleeper, the guy who people underestimate.
0: There you go. And that's
1: <laughs> that's the 5.0 staying with the twin turbo, right? That's my, there's, that's my final answer.
0: Very nice answer. I like that. Yeah, one of those darn California Highway Patrol 5.0s pulled me over once on my way to Palm Springs. And I was you bombing down the road, looked in the mirror, and I went, that's not a cop. That's a Mustang. And then I went, wait a minute. Oh, no. So he was nice, though. He Love just it. wrote me a warning. So I didn't get a ticket. So nice guy. Well, Mark up Perfect. next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark, a Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra SIPC. Okay, Mark, we are back and we're entering the last lap. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received?
1: Uh, You know, don't quit your day job if you're starting a company.
0: Stay (laughs) as long as you
1: can. When you're making more money than your day job, go ahead and quit, but don't quit the day job.
0: Good advice from a guy who's been there and done that. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your successes over the years?
1: Yeah, it's not very popular right now, but uh, we've mentioned it before. Working with your hands and having an education, just do stuff yourself. Even if you're the top guy, do stuff yourself. That way, when you have people working for you, you know what they're going through. You know how easy or how hard it is. Yeah. Um, And and you just stay connected to your product.
0: Ah, great advice. How about a resource? There's lots of great resources out there these days, but is there one that you'd like to share with the CARSIA audience?
1: Some of the greatest employees I have had, local schools, community colleges, after-hours classes – the, the trick is to learn. When you're in your 20s and 30s, you're in a learning uh, binge. Just use local schools. Uh, they're cheap. They're, you can focus on whatever you want to and just learn. Apply it at work and you'll do better.
0: Uh, uh, another awesome bit of wisdom there. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive field, living or deceased, who would it be?
1: If there's only one guy. My, my hero is Phil Remington, Carol Shelby's... Uh, Uh, fabricator Uh, Uh, Phil Remington is uh, I never knew him Uh, he died before I know Carol uh, from the lawsuit you know
0: oh yeah tough way to know a guy well he's still he's still Carol
1: Shelby so even though you hate the guy you gotta love him so but Phil Remington uh, Carol agreed I agree Uh, he was a genius and I just that that's a that's a beer worthy guy
0: Uh, absolutely maybe too now how about a book is there a book you've read that you think the Cars audience would enjoy reading as well
1: yeah, that's why I, I've said this for 20 years. Uh, there was a guy named Carol Smith who was a race car uh, uh, yeah. hands-on engineer. Yeah. And had, the name of the book of his series that's the best is called Engineer to Win. Yes. And anyone who wants to build a car from scratch, the reason I was able to start Factory 5 was that book. There's more in that book than any other engineering book in the country.
0: Yeah, it's awesome books. It's on my shelf, too. And I'll remind our listeners, you can find links to all these great resources that Mark has shared on his show notes page at the Carja yeah website, carja.com slash Mark Smith. Just type Mark in the search bar. And he's one of a couple marks, including my own show that was, uh, show number 300, I think your show number 742. So, uh, nice to have another Mark here on the show. And there's another great place on the website that is a uh, guest recommended books location where you can go and find this book, great book and all the great recommendations by the past guests here on Carja. Yeah. Quick, easy clicks to buy. I've got it set up real nice for you there. All right, we're up to the checkered flag mark, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. If you could have only one very cool collector car in your garage, but money's no object, because today I'm buying the car, what would it be, and why?
1: I'll bet most of your uh, guests know their answer right off the top of their. I mean, everybody <laughs> has their car. Uh, for me, uh, it's a two fifty short wheelbase alloy body, you know, old old V twelve Ferrari. Uh, uh, they're really, you know. Uh, you know, I don't want to go snob on you, but <laughs> damn, you know, like a, an alloy by 250, you got the it, it pure, you know, two kinds of people, right? Those that wear a quartz watch and those that wear a mechanical watch. It doesn't have to be a Rolex, just a mechanical, yeah. elegant, a, a timepiece that you can wear that ticks and moves, right? Yes. Those of us that appreciate mechanical elegance, love old Ferrari V12s, the 250 short wheelbase. look, it looks, it sounds, it smells like a vintage Ferrari. There, there's nothing like that car.
0: Ah, you picked one of my favorites, that's for sure. I was very lucky at a Cavalino event years ago to get to drive two in one day. Unbelievable. Yeah, Yeah, really cool cars. Oh my gosh, you just broke the bank with that one. But that's okay. I'd be happy to go out and find you one. what color would you like yours to be?
1: You know, I saw a silver one with a uh, French blue stripe on the side. It was a repro, uh, you know, it was a 250 GTE that had an aluminum body put on it. Uh, yeah. It doesn't matter to me, by the way. It doesn't have to be original. Just give me a 250 GTE that was shortened. That's fine, too.
0: Okay, awesome. Well, Mark, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed getting to know you a little better and learning about your past. And I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the CarShout listeners and with me. Could you offer us one little piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off down the roadway in that 250 SWB? Oh,
1: we wish, right? Wouldn't that be go. nice? Time. Yeah. I know. There's still time. There's still
0: time. Uh, look,
1: we've, we've uh, touched on it uh, during the talk today. Thank you again, by the way. Uh, a, great, uh, a great interview. This, this thing, the, the theme that you're going to hear from me over and over, I say to my kids, I say to my employees, uh, my coworkers, learn, 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 and then do it. And and be ready for the challenges by all the learning and the time and the hard work you put in there. Learn doesn't have to be school. It, it, it should be part of it. But, you know, learning on the job, learning at school, learning at home, you know, like get yourself together before you start a company. Otherwise, when you have stresses and challenges from the outside, you, 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 you get thrown. So when you get your shot, take it. But take it when you're ready. You know, if you go too early, you can fall flat. It happens. And I don't want to be a defeatist because this is an exciting, exciting time if you're going to start a new venture. But boy, boy, learn, 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 learn a little extra. And then when that shot comes, you make it count. And yeah, I was going to say, and spend time with your kids when they're little.
0: <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. Mine are grown up and gone now. And, yeah, all the times that I spent at the office, that long, long hours. I'd like to have some of those back at home with dinner with my kids. Yeah, it. boy, those are hard lessons to learn, and once they're gone, they're gone. So that's what they're supposed to do: grow up and leave the nest, right? So that means you've been a, you've been a smart parent. What's the best way for our listeners to follow along with what you're up to today with Smith Performance?
1: Uh, Smith Performance is on Facebook. Uh, for whatever reason, that seems to be where the hundred thousand fans are. Uh, they like to <laughs> hang out there. But as time goes on, the Instagram page is, We just started that a little while ago. Good. So, uh, but both of those. The Facebook page is probably the, the, the center point. Uh, people can talk to me through the website or Facebook, but, uh, this day and age, everybody knows how to, uh, how to get a hold of us, right? But it is Facebook.
0: Absolutely. And, and of course you have your website as well, right? Yeah. The website is smithkitcars.com.
1: And, uh, yeah, obviously direct line there, uh, whether you want to chat or email or talk, whatever. But it's all there.
0: And here's a little tip for you. Mark Smith, his last name is S-M-I-T-H, but his business is. S-M-Y-T-H. That's right. And we know why. (laughs) He's pulled a little trick on us there. So I'll make sure that these are all noted on Mark's show notes page on the Cars website. So check out what this guy's doing. Man, what a life around cars. Absolutely spectacular. Mark, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the Cars listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Okay. Thank you very much, Mark. It's been a great time. This has been awesome. Thank you. dot com garages built for discerning enthusiasts where it's not just a garage it's where your dream garage comes true